Welcome everyone to the Living Parables podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through his word and our own life stories. I'm Nate, your host. To all the listeners tuning into the show today, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate all you. And now you're going to hear me say, let me begin. But today is a special episode. Two episodes this week, back to back about Passion Week. Today we're going to be talking about the grim reality of the crucifixion. And just to give you a little bit of a preview, we're going to be going over in detail of every single aspect of the crucifixion. So typically when we talk of the crucifixion, we keep it very short, quick to the point, and we focus on the resurrection. Today, I'm going to go into detail because, not because I enjoy talking about these things, but the fact is that Jesus was brutally tortured and killed, and he willingly did so on our behalf. And that, of many things, is why he is my hero. So today, I want you to prepare yourselves because although Friday is almost upon us, the crucifixion is almost here, but three days later, he rose again. So we're going to start in Matthew, the 27th chapter, starting the 33rd verse. And typically, I would go ahead and edit everything and make sure everything sounds nice and crisp. But today, we're going to go raw. We're going raw today. And if this was a live show, I'd have to go live anyway and raw. So be that as it may, let's go ahead and start in the 33rd verse. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, they gave him wine to drink mixed with gall. And after tasting it, he was unwilling to drink. And when they had crucified him, they divided up his garments among themselves by casting lots. And sitting down, they began to keep watch over him there. And above his head, they put up the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. At the time, the two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy this temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him and saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him now come down from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now, if he delights in him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The robbers who have been crucified with him were also insulting him with the same words. Now from the sixth hour, darkness fell upon all the land until the ninth hour. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of those who were standing there when they heard it began saying, This man is calling for Elijah. 
Immediately, one of them ran and taking a sponge, he filled it with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave him a drink. But the rest of them said, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yet yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now the centurion and those who were with him, keeping guard over Jesus, when they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, became very frightened and said, Truly this was the Son of God. Many women were looking on from a distance who had followed Jesus from Galilee while ministering to him. Among them was Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. That was a lot to take in there, but let's go ahead and take this step by step. First, we need to visit the Garden of Gethsemane. If you recall, Jesus was praying nonstop while his disciples struggled to stay awake. Jesus knew that his time had come. And he kept asking his father if this cup could be taken from him. And what he was about to endure was not so much the physical pain, but it was more of his righteous and holy self being sin upon himself. Taking our sin and placing it upon himself. And, and that great exchange that we find in 2 Corinthians, chapter, the fifth chapter. But in the garden, he was sweating drops of blood which is a rare condition called hematidrosis, which is, again, it's a rare condition, but it is caused by extreme anxiety, caused by fear. I'm not sure about you. I've had some anxieties in my life and stresses, but never to the point where I'm sweating blood. The, the struggle was real here. And not only this, so he was up most of the night he was arrested in such a way that was like a mob if you will so fast forward to the trial we're at the trial and the pharisees are trying everything in their power to have him Crucified. If you read the book of John over and over and over again, I don't know how many times, many times, they are trying to find a way to kill him. And of course, Jesus being the Son of God, he's the only one, only one that has the power to lay his life down or take it up. So there's nothing they could do. It had to be perfectly aligned with God's timetable. And this unfortunately, and fortunately for our sake, was that time. So he's standing before them in trial, can't find a single thing to accuse him of. 
And finally, the Pharisees found a little bit of a loophole, if you will, saying that he's calling himself a king, and if he's saying that, that's in direct opposition of Caesar, in which, talking with Pontius Pilate, he said, okay, go have him scourged, and hopefully that will appease the crowd. So let's move on to scourging. The Roman scourging was one of the most feared of all punishments. It was brutal, inhumane, and it was one of the most dreaded forms of punishment ever to be upon this earth. Now, the tool that they used was called the flagrum, and it was a whip consisting of about three or more leather tails with, at the end, had small metal balls or sheet bone at the end of each tail. According to the Mosaic Law, scourging could not exceed 40 lashes because they figured that would be death. In this situation, Jesus would have been shackled by the wrists and he would be shackled to a low column so that he would be in a bent over position. The soldiers that were assigned to deliver the blows would be standing beside him and would strike in an arc-like fashion. And the weight of the metal or the bone objects in each of the leather thongs would carry them over to the front of the body as well. And to the back, obviously, and to the arms. It would basically not just end there. It would go all the way from the back, all the way down to the calves. The bits of metal and bone would cut deep into the flesh, ripping small blood vessels, nerves, muscles, and skin. And then the soldiers would change position periodically and deliver blows from the opposite side. And like I said before, brothers and sisters, I know this is, this is tough to hear, but this is what our Savior endured. The injuries that he sustained were extensive. It would cause his, he might experience tremors and seizures due to the amount of blood loss. His flesh would be mangled and ripped. And you would even be looking into the skeletal tissue. That's how horrible and brutal this was. Breathing would be extremely painful. And because of certain injuries, breathing would be a major challenge. It was a serious thing. It was a serious torture, punishment. Let's move on to the crown of thorns now. These crown of thorns would be extremely sharp. If you know anything about the 
the human head. They are full of vessels that upon being pierced would cause an overwhelming amount of blood flow. His face would be covered in blood. The pain from those crown of thorns injecting it into the nerves would be extremely painful. Even the smallest of the breeze would cause excruciating pain. Now, I know you've heard a lot right now. And some of you might be tapping out and thinking, you know what? Okay, this is not for me. This is this doesn't seem Christian to me. And I'll tell you right now, this is as Christian as it gets. And let me tell you this too. Jesus is often painted as a he's kind of he's kind of painted as a as a weakling someone that doesn't have a lot of toughness to him uh, don't forget he was a carpenter he was a he was a he was a tough guy obviously he's tough he's the son of god there's no one tougher but you know what's amazing about this is I mentioned about being scourged, and that was one of the most brutal and fearful of all punishments. And you know what's amazing about Jesus Christ is that he did it willingly. When people were going to be scourged and were also going to be sent to the cross, in history, they would have to be drugged there. They weren't going to go willingly. But our Lord did, because he had you on his mind. Let's go to the cross and nails. One of the most, most famous movies out there, and brutal movies, is The Passion of the Christ, which shows the last 12 hours of Jesus' life on earth. And I have to tell you, that movie has stuck with me ever since its release. And it shows Jesus carrying a T-shaped cross all the way to Golgotha. And I hate to break it to you, but he didn't carry a T-shaped cross. He carried the cross beam. The pole, which was in the ground, would already be in place. So he carried the beam. Now, the beam was not light by any means, people. And that's the other thing. We know that Jesus fell three times. And that goes to show you of how extensive his injuries were and how traumatic they were. He carried it. Now, obviously, we know after he fell the third time, he couldn't get to Golgotha on his own. So the Romans had Simon of Cyrene help him all the way to Golgotha. Which, again, was not an accident, by the way. That wasn't just by chance. God had placed him there at that exact moment, at that exact right time. And I believe that he was forever changed because of that. We don't know that for a fact, but you never know. So, the nails were nailed into the wrist, which, again... People will say, well, the Bible says it 
he was nailed by his hands and feet. Well, in those times, the wrist was considered part of the hand. And I'll have to tell you something here. The, the effects of the nails through the wrist would cause a burning, searing pain so severe that the slightest touch, movement, or even gentle breeze felt is completely agonizing. It also intens intensifies with the temperature. Now, taking that a step further, people, you have to understand, Jesus on the way to Golgotha was punched, thrown down, hit with reeds, spit upon, they plucked a beard from his hair, and you can imagine his injuries all over his body, and being pushed to the ground or fallen to the ground, each time he'd have to get up would take that much more effort to get up. I just, I can't imagine the kind of love that he has for us. And that's why I'm, that's why I'm telling you this right now, people. The, the love that was shown here is, go, that goes beyond understanding. And I'm going to read you something here in just a minute from our text. But I'm going to, I'm going to tell you this right now. When we were talking about, and I'm going to find the verse here in just a second. If you're in a situation like this, which you know, I know it sounds ridiculous because uh, that's not around anymore. But when we're in pain, we want ibuprofen, painkillers, you name it, right? Well, listen to this in verse 34. They gave him wine to drink mixed with gall. And after tasting it, he was unwilling to drink. Why is that significant? Because the gall was that type of pain-killing narcotic. Jesus was not willing to go halfway. He was willing to suffer and suffer for you. That's why we celebrate Good Friday. And by the way, just to clear the air here, the cross that we wear on necklaces, our wrists, earrings, that symbol in those days was not a symbol for admiration. It was a symbol for the worst of the worst criminals. They wouldn't even consider them people anymore, not even members of society. And by the way, the Romans didn't crucify other Romans. That was for foreigners. And for the lowest of the low, the worst of criminals. And boy, the holiest being treated as the worst of the worst. Because that was supposed to be us. Because in Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. Jesus did not have any penalty of sin to pay for because he is holy and perfect. That's why Jesus is the propitiation for our sins. He is the appeasement from the wrath of God. 
because through his sacrifice, we are able to be righteous because of 2 Corinthians 5.21. And let's go ahead and read that. And I know you've heard me read this before, but I have to read it again because it's so crucial. This is why Jesus went to the cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. That's why he's on the cross, people. That's exactly why he was on the cross. He took all of our sin upon himself. Every single sin that you would ever commit in your whole entire life, he took it upon himself so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. There it is. He was thinking of you the whole time. He was thinking about me. He was thinking about all the people that would come to faith in him, in him alone. While people were on the cross, while Jesus was on the cross, in order to take a breath, not only did Jesus have his wrists nailed to the cross, but he had his feet nailed to the cross. And in order to take a breath, which would be very short and shallow, you'd have to push up from your feet while his back still being completely torn apart would be scraping up against that cross. Could you imagine how horrible that would be? And he was on the cross for six hours. And I'm going to end it with this. And I know what you're thinking. How could this end in a good way? So in John, the 19th chapter, in the 30th verse, says, Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine the second time, when he said, I am thirsty, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. And brothers and sisters, when he said, it is finished, what is he talking about here? He is talking about the plan of redemption. It had been accomplished. God's wrath had been fully satisfied. And for us, the hallelujah course begins. Because he said it is finished, we now have the opportunity to come to him by grace through faith and to be saved from the wrath of God. Because he took upon the wrath of God so we did not have to. Because we cannot be righteous and holy on our own. So Jesus took our sin and placed it upon himself. And he took his righteousness and put it upon us. So that we can be justified before God the Father. Brothers and sisters, that is love. 
That is agape love. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, those words, even though we've heard John 3, 16, so many times, they become more precious every single day. And the older I get, and the deeper I go with Christ, the more I love Him, the more I understand what it costs and what my sin that sometimes I disregard as it's not a big deal, it breaks me apart. Because I know that it costs Jesus his life. And the only thing I want to be is a loyal slave to Christ, to live for him, to serve him, and more importantly, to love him more. Do not let this moment pass you by. If you were able to stick with me through this episode, and you have not made a choice to follow Jesus Christ, to make him the Lord of your life, to put your complete trust and faith in him, I would ask you to do that today. And you know, there's no prayer that's going to save you. It can it just needs to be a simple prayer. God, I am a sinner. My sin has caused your son Jesus Christ to die upon the cross. And I believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. I believe that Jesus Christ lived a perfect sinless life. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe three days later he rose from the dead. I believe that he is the Son of God, and I believe that he is coming back again. And I believe that in him alone is salvation. And I'm asking you, God, to please have mercy on me and save me, a sinner. In Jesus' name, amen. That's why everything is in his name. Because of what he did on the cross. What he went through. What he endured. And you know, I could have I could have been more articulate. I could have went a little bit deeper probably. But the reality, people, is grim. The cross was very, very grim. And he loved us that much that he said, I'm going to take your place. I'll take the punishment. I'll take the wrath of God so that you can live eternally in paradise with me. I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. 
And until next time, God bless you all.